Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. The red light has started rolling, and I'm joined today by Bevis. Bevis, what an absolute pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Is this the second or third time, Bevis, that you've been on the podcast with me? I believe it's the second, mate. I think it's. Is the it the second? Right. Okay. For some reason, I thought that we'd maybe uh, I'd interviewed you like quite quite early on as well, but clearly not. Um, and that's uh, that's absolutely fine. So um, I'm feeling very underprepared today. I probably shouldn't admit that, but I'm feeling very underprepared. But we're very much looking forward to talking about awareness, technology, and happiness, uh, which I think is absolutely an interesting thing for me, particularly now that I've done my master NLP um, practitioner course with yourself, Bevis. You were you were my NLP trainer, uh, which I very much appreciate, Bevis. And I, well, I guess first things first, let's do a bit of an intro, mate. Let's do a bit of an intro. Who is, oh, there's a question. Who is Bevis? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. That's a bit Sorry. Harsh uh, Bevis, way. could you introduce yourself for the listeners, please? Sure. Okay. So, so I'm Bevis. Um, so we've been running Magenta Coaching Solutions since 2010, and we are a training and coaching company. Um, so we have uh, a team of coaches who deliver uh, breakthrough coaching, helping people overcome subconscious blocks, business coaching, elite performance coaching, and we also do training. So obviously you've just mentioned your own LP training journey, and we also train uh, people in motivational mapping, helping grow engagement with, and motivation within business. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we do. It's probably not the answer to the question, who I am, um, but that might be for a different podcast because that's quite a deep question. Who are we? Um, we could go down a philosophical rabbit hole with that one. Um, so yeah, but I think and hopefully that gives everybody an idea of the, the, the kind of things we do and what we're about. Oh, that's cool. And how, um, I, how long have you been on your NLP journey, Bevis? How long have you been doing NLP? Because it's been quite transformational for you, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's kind of why I'm so passionate about Two, 2008, really. But if, I'm, if I think about it, actually, it was before then. I mean, I, I was quite a young manager. So I ended up managing a leisure centre at the age of 25, 26. And obviously, as a young manager thrown into a busy work management situation, I remember one point going to work and I was I had 80 emails when I went in and 90 when I left. Um, and it was kind of, you look back and you think, oh, and I, my, my patterns back then, I'd just say yes to everything. And actually, I see my sister doing some of those things that I used to do now. Um, so just kind. And I got through by being kind, basically, by being a decent human being and people respect that. And, and that helped. But, uh, but my workload was growing and growing and growing. And I was getting more and more stressed. And um, so, so, yeah, and, and actually the chairman of my cricket club, a guy called James Leet, um, who, interesting, I've just seen has just started up a new consultancy, which I was quite fascinated about. Um, he introduced me to NLP and he actually came and did some workshops that are uh, in our work, in our business. And I just was fascinated. I was like, oh, wow, this is a different way about thinking about the world. Um, 
and that really and then at the same time I suddenly thought I've not had any management or leadership at all development training I'm managing a team of people but I've had no training so I was able to then um, twist my boss's arm to go on an NLP practitioner course in 2008 and yeah on the basis that I would then come back and use the skills to train other people in the business which at the time I wasn't looking forward to but actually was a gift because it meant that I started to use my NLP practitioner skills straight away in the same way that I know that you are in terms of the training and work that you're doing. So, so yeah, um, that was kind of, I think I thought it was going to, I was going to say 2008, but actually probably started about 2005, 2006. Wow. Fantastic. So, so it's been a, it's been a long, long journey. And we were just having a bit of a chuckle before we came and started recording. I was saying to both, so it's, it's like Wednesday after bank holidays, we're recording this and the difference that I've had through coaching with Bevis in, in the way that I go about my everyday life is just huge. So um, I was saying, I, I sort of got up this morning, I've done a load of work and then I went off to the gym. I've actually done yoga, which I love and helps raise my awareness, which is one of the key themes of the podcast. And um, that, that really sort of raises my awareness, but also just the willingness to sort of let go of, of stuff. So I arrived back at like five to nine I literally mixed up a, a milkshake, jumped on the call, and haven't haven't particularly. Obviously, I, well, I've got some key themes that I know that we need to discuss, but I've not overly thought about the podcast. And I was just saying that actually this afternoon I'm doing a um, like a, a difficult conversations. I keep putting difficult conversations in the inverted commas. Uh, difficult conversations and uh, understanding motivation workshop, which I've I've literally got a couple of slides for, and uh, and that that's going to go from there. So. Um, interesting how NLP helps, uh, I suppose, raise raise your awareness, both of yourself and obviously of the, the world around you. Um, but so one of the things that led us to this conversation was actually the who, the who am I question, which um, I got posed recently. Some of you might have heard a podcast where I got posed the who am I question. And I was literally like a goldfish, uh, not really knowing what the what the answer was and, and what, what that was. So Bevs and I had a bit of a chat about that. And um, we came up with the idea of having this podcast because one of the things that's very keen when we talk about who we are is is actually awareness and having that awareness of, of who we are as well. So um, I guess the starting point for me, Bevis, as a question for you to stop me waffling mm. is, is what is what is awareness? Wow. Um... And that's interesting. I went for that for format. I didn't even think about it. I was thinking, and, and literally, I've, I've just asked you what is what is uh, awareness, and I've gone, oh, that's the first question of format. Very good. <laughs> oh no, why? Why is awareness important? Sorry, why is awareness important? Well, I think the nice the nice thing about exploring personal development is that we begin to appreciate that all of our results, all of our behaviour comes from understanding a little bit about how we think. Mm-hmm. and also understanding our emotions and and if what I'm going to do if you if you don't mind is go back to your progress in not over if you don't mind me saying Pete and I'm just going to be blunt here you, you had a pattern of overworking yeah that's, that's still a little bit present <laughs> yeah for sure um but if you think of what of your ability this morning to go to the gym to look after yourself to do some yoga to then jump on this and then completely trust your ability to deliver these workshops this afternoon with less preparation. And any trainers or coaches or consultants listening to that will get that, that you go from overworking, over-preparing to not doing as much. 
And the reason that you're able to do that is because you're able to trust trust your unconscious mind and trust the knowledge that you have, which means overcoming fear of failure and fear of judgment. And so in a, in a true NLP fashion, I'm going to answer the question to, as to who, who we are and what awareness is by explaining what we're not. What we aren't is the pattern of fear or failure or guilt or sadness or hurt or anger or those emotions that, have, that can cloud our judgment. Um, there's nothing wrong with those emotions, but that sometimes they, we can all, they can cloud our judgment and cloud our ability to see clearly. And we're not that, that inner critic, that in, internal voice that is critical of how we're doing. I was listening to a meditation this morning about taming your inner critics. That was kind of on my radar this morning. So when we understand, I mean, really aware, what is awareness is the fact that we can be as a human being aware of our thoughts and emotions and we don't have to act on them. We can feel angry, all parents, sometimes we get frustrated with our kids, but we don't have to snap, we don't have to speak angrily because there's a gap between the stimulus and the response. And really by growing our awareness, that gap between the stimulus and the response grows and we're able to be more responsive rather than reactive. Um, and I think as a starting point for understanding awareness, that's, that's, that's as good a starting point as any, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because I've not I've not ever trained uh, awareness or uh, ever thought about it in that way. But I think when I sort of reflect on what made me stop when I got asked the question, who am I, was that the instant response when you go networking, for example, and people listening will understand this when you go networking or when you meet people, oh, um, can you introduce yourself? And you uh, people tend to go for the roles or their roles that they play or the roles that they play. So, um, for example, what I mean by that is I would often go, well, I'm the managing director of flagship partners, which is a role. Um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm Tallulah's dad or I'm Roman's dad. If I'm next to the football pitch, that's the role that I play that I'm, I'm their parent and, uh, life, depending on whatever you do, often the way we introduce ourselves is through the roles that we take, but we're not necessarily our roles. And the elevated rate, the ele elevated awareness that I had was that, well, my go-to was roles because that's what's socially expected for you to respond when someone says, who are you? That you, you sort of go for the roles, but you're not the roles, which is very strange. And I, I feel like I'm trying to explain something that's a little bit abstract because it is a little bit abstract, I suppose. Would you say this is abstract, Bevis? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And I think you, you, again, with, it's, I think what happens with personal development is you, you learn to kind of nudge everyone along a little bit as opposed to go from A to Z. And um, the roles that we play, I mean, it's interesting you describing that. I remember for a long time after I got very evangelical about coaching and NLP and motivational mapping and, and almost I didn't feel comfortable when I wasn't in the role of coach, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was then going, hang on a minute, that's not who I am. Like I am, I am a coach, I am a, a trainer, but that's not who I am at a deeper level. Um, and, th and that understanding that at a deeper level, we're, we're more than what we think we are. We're more than just the roles that we play. Um, and exploring that and, and exploring, because um, it's a difficult thing to define who you are. And people look at you strangely if you start describing yourself, who am I? Well, I'm pure awareness. So it gets a bit David Icke-ish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so it's kind of being um, just being mindful that as a human being, the thing that makes us a human being is a level of awareness of our thoughts and emotions and our body. 
And the thing I like to kind of explore or share with that is if you look at your hand uh, and you consider that actually that's my hand and you think, well, it is your hand, but every single cell in your body has changed in the last 18 months. You think, oh, hang on a minute. So that's a new hand. It's not the same hand I had 12, 18 months ago. And then you think, well, when you look in the mirror in the morning, how do you know it's you? And if every single cell has changed, including the brain cells and the bone cells and the skin cells, how do you recognize it's you? And the only way that you recognize that it's Pete or it's Bevis is because we have a level of awareness. So we have a level of awareness that is beyond our thought and emotions. And we also have an unconscious mind. We don't have to think about breathing. We don't have to think about our scabs healing. Our unconscious mind does that automatically. So, so exploring awareness can be multi-layered. It can be about understanding the unconscious mind at a deeper level, and it can be understanding and growing the gap between stimulus and response. You were talking about a model of the mind that you're sharing this afternoon. And I think that model of the mind diagram is, is a perfect place to start to grow the awareness of, hang on a minute, there isn't, it isn't miserable weather. It's just weather. Um, I, I'm not angry. I've just got some angry thinking. Or I'm not anxious. I'm just projecting something into the future about that's going wrong. It's not real. It hasn't happened yet. And that growth and awareness allows us to become more emotionally resilient, I guess, and, and make make better decisions. Yeah, it's, um, it, I think that was a real game changer for me was when I started to think about the fact that your whole body is renewing every 18 months so the thoughts and the feelings that I have now will have an impact the way that I think and the way that I behave will have an impact on that cell structure as it develops so the the, the cleaner I think it's, it's a strange thing that the cleaner I eat the cleaner I think and the more aware I am will essentially have uh, health benefits as that, like huge health benefits, reducing stress, not worrying, um, not, um, you know, being, and, and it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because I, you know, when we talk about the development journey and not taking, taking people from A to B and not taking people from A to Z, because it, it's conscious when, when I say not feeling stressed, obviously we want to aim towards something that, that isn't stress. Um, but at the same time, we've got to make, uh, we're creating a podcast which people hopefully will be able to listen to and and sort of follow follow our thought pattern. But I think um, I think the thing with awareness is that it's I guess I guess like it realizing that through that communication model that we project so much onto um onto things so for example the workshop that i'm doing this afternoon is difficult conversations the fact that it's framed as difficult means that every when i say would you like to learn more about difficult communications the majority of people will go yeah that sounds really interesting because they can resonate because we do project that conversations are difficult but actually the difficult part is is just a projection and as we raise awareness we realise that actually that's the that's the meaning we're giving a conversation. The conversation is actually just a conversation. I don't know if I've explained that very well. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, I, I, absolutely. I think you, you're quite right, and and the it, it is that understanding that that we are projecting out what's inside, 
um, not one of my favorite coaching exercises is the mirror of relationships and that, that what you see in someone else is a reflection of what's inside of you. Now, I've had to share that with people who kind of understandably have reacted to that because they're like, yeah, but I'm not that or I'm not that. And no, you might not be. Let's use the word. Let's choose a word. Um, manipulative. You might not be manipulative, but to see someone else as manipulative, we must have some filter around what manipulation is. We must have some experiences of it. We may even have some scar tissue of it. So what happens then when we understand this model of the mind is that when we get triggered by something, rather than blaming the trigger, the weather, or the person who describes and demonstrates certain behavior, we go, ooh, what's that telling me about my own filters? And is there some healing to do? Is there some coaching I need? Or can I just actually, which is what most of us do, take a step back and go, yeah, I'm not seeing that particularly clearly. And then respond rather than react. We've all done that thing, haven't we? Fingers on the keyboard. We're about to do the fingers of doom when we've received an email we don't like the sound of. Um, <laughs> and in that moment, do we communicate at our best when we're stressed and anxious and, and worried? No, but can we take a step back and go, okay, let's, let's, let's wait for the filters to clear. Um, so yeah, that idea of projection isn't something that's commonly understood that, that we're only experiencing 134 bits of information um, mm -hmm. out of millions. And those 134 bits are based on our filters and our experiences, which are completely unique, which again is, is an, another massive insight that the only person who sees the world like us is us. We're completely unique. Um, and yet everyone else is going through the same the same experience and projecting in but but with different filters, different experiences. Um, I yeah. think football is easy to understand. Arsenal and Chelsea last night, the Arsenal fans having a very different experience, right? Oh, I don't know. What was the score? Well, I don't know either. I think it was three one Arsenal last time I looked. So oh, really? Right. Okay. Arsenal definitely won. I just don't know the final result. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, good. Because I'm, I'm cheer as a United fan, I'm cheering Arsenal along because I don't want City to win. <laughs> yeah. um, good luck with that. But I, I think, uh, you are, yeah, exactly. I think um, with people listening to this, I think if they're struggling with the concepts that we're, we're sort of talking about, I take it back. So one of the most simple ways that I, I learned to understood about awareness was the elephant and the rider concept which is very visual. And um, in, in, my, in my map of the world, uh, the elephant and the rider, you've got the rider, which is our, our, our sort of uh, rational human self, um, our conscious mind. And uh, we've got the elephant, which is essentially our ego. Um, and, and the thing is, I say, I say unconscious mind, but actually maybe I'm incorrect there because the unconscious mind isn't necessarily our ego. Those two things are different. Um, but anyway, so just from a from a simplistic point of view, though, that the elephant is kind of the, our ego. It's our emotions. It's all our programming, all our filters that sort of drive our decision making, our unconscious decision making a lot of the time that we don't really realize that sometimes it's almost like the puppet and the puppeteer and it's sort of, you know, the elephant is sort of pulling the strings. And just sometimes to raise your awareness is just to think, is that my rational self? Or is that is that my ego reacting to that? And normally, if you have an emotional or adverse reaction to something, it is normally or quite often the uh, the ego or the or the elephant. Is that is that a good way of sort of basically explaining it? Would you say, Bert? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it reminds me of a conversation with a friend of mine, and he was explaining how his wife um, does certain things, and he gets very, very angry. And I said, "Well, look, well, next time you get really angry, just sit still with the anger. 
just notice it rise, notice where it is in the body, and then sit still and or go for a walk. You don't have to sit still, that's a choice, but but don't your intention is to not react. And he said, very honestly, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. And there's the example of the elephant running off. The elephant's in control. And um, and obviously through a coaching journey, he, he got control of his, of his elephant or his ego or his unconscious mind. Now, the unconscious mind and the ego are inextricably linked. Like I said, the unconscious mind is amazing. It does so many wonderful things for us. But also it's the domain of our emotions, takes things personally and the ego is stored within those emotions and the pattern of emotions from the past, beliefs, inner conflicts, which, if you like, is the structure of the, the elephant. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, lo- I love that. love that metaphor. It's a, it's a really good one. I think, yeah, I think so. And, and I think this is, so we're spending quite a bit of time talking about awareness, but I think talking about ego and talking about our emotion is a really good way of framing the, the, the next area, which is the technology and the happiness um that that we're, that we're going to talk about next i think we'll, we'll we'll sort of move on to happiness after we talk about technology first but so i wanted to just sort of share a genuine a genuine truth with uh with the listeners and with yourself bevis is that i'll often find myself what i call doom scrolling so sometimes i'll have a really positive interaction with social media whether it be facebook or linkedin sometimes i'll look through and depending on my frame of mind will depend on how um, how I view my timeline that I'm looking at. But it's very often, very often, in particular LinkedIn, and it's it's improved over time, but certainly in the early days when I first started the business and I first started posting things about the business, I would compare my day 30 in business with someone else's day 3000 in business. And um, I would often look at LinkedIn for in particular and be, oh, what? why is that so popular? Why, why is this person so popular? Why is that post so popular? And um, all my competitors are doing so much better than I am. Why aren't I doing better? Um, and, and that's genuine, genuinely a pattern I used to run. And occasionally, occasionally I catch myself doing it now. Um, but I have a, you know, obviously with, with the various work that Bevis and I have done and training and bits and pieces, um, obviously I've got a high level of awareness. So I notice that and I will stop doing it and I will just spend time with why am I feeling like that? What's that telling me, et cetera, et cetera, and sort of work my way, work my way through it. But, um, yeah, doom scrolling. Is that, is that a thing that you do? <laughs> well, I guess is a question. Well, yeah, no, good. Well, the, the answer is yes um so look personal development isn't about perfect being perfect i mean you've spent enough time with me and and, and my co-trainer paul to know that neither of us are perfect human beings i do i follow do exactly the same thing in fact my phone's next to me there was a little bit of that going on um just before we we came on so i was like oh, i've got five minutes so i just flick through and and i think the interesting thing i wouldn't necessarily refer to it as doom scrolling but i'm gonna um because it's just a, a, ta- a tag isn't it just a label yeah yeah and it- I've um, never really so, used the term before, but it feels like it just felt like the right thing to explain what I do. Uh, it isn't necessarily doing. Sometimes it is just mindless scrolling. It's just, you know, but sorry, carry on. I'd be I'd be amazed if there is a person listening to this who, who in today's modern society doesn't relate in some way to that, whether it's social media or television or something, some way of kind of mindlessness activity. Um, and... Is it a problem? Well, it depends. And I'm going to, it's interesting. I'm thinking back to the same person who I was just mentioning, uh, who's a friend of mine has been on quite a journey. 
and he said to me, he said to me in one in one conversation, I feel like I've got a superior superior superiority complex. I was like, really? What makes you think that? And he says, well, when I look on posts and I kind of get very judgmental about what other people are doing and why are they an expert and and kind of that comparison thing kicked off. Um, and it, and then then he went on holiday to Thailand and came back and he said the next conversation, yeah, I haven't got I haven't got a uh, uh, there was no com- nothing. I didn't add anything to that conversation. He then just had a gap, had a holiday, came back and said, yeah, I haven't got a superiority, superiority complex. I just need to be mindful of my energy when I go on social media. Because, of course, that projection thing of we're projecting out what's inside. If we are tired and bored and we go on social media, we're going to see very different things to if we're relaxed and energized. If we're frustrated and angry, we're going to see very different things because that filter is there. And we all, we, we've all done this. You can see an email in one light, come back to the next day and you read it and you see something completely different. You feel completely different. So we just need to be mindful of that projection element that we were talking about. Um, and of course, um, this, isn't, this isn't my quote. I think one of our um, chap called Simon came up with this on our, one of our NLP trainings. Um, his quote was that, and again, he's he's heard it somewhere, is that comparison is a thief of joy, and yet we all we all at some point and time find ourselves comparing, and we'll hear our kids comparing themselves to other people in the school system, and sadly the education system is based upon the com- comparisons. So we just again need to be mindful of both projection and comparison, and that's the nice link between awareness and technology, that the more mm. we aware we are that helps us use technology positive because it is incredible the fact you can actually work from your bed or work from the beach or it's mm. it's amazing that these these little rectangular objects that are yeah got more more power in them than the original computers it's just phenomenal hi it's pete from flagship partners we're proud to sponsor a half dozen things podcast flagship partners help their clients become safer greener and greater through a range of consultancy and training services we offer audits through to risk assessments contracts through to support with managing your culture all the way from mandatory training through to management training as well so if you need any support please do get in touch with flagship partners today and and I think sort of obviously that's really really insightful around the um, comparison there. And I think additionally to that, so social media obviously the comparing is is a challenge. But then also there's there's the programming element of the way of the way we work. So um, I it was really interesting. I was at a business meeting uh, on Friday, and um, another business owner, a successful business owner says well i have i have a zero inbox policy and i was like oh what does that mean that's interesting well my inbox needs to be zero by 5 p.m so i laughed jokingly i, I laughed jokingly which is a bit harsh because I, I shouldn't but i said right i'm setting a recurring email at five to five every day <laughs> the rest of, <laughs> for the rest of the month to land in your inbox at five to five and make you sweat uh, <laughs> but um I just found that I just found that really interesting. So and I resonate with that. Certainly the old, not the old me, but certainly historically that's resonated with me. I take pride in having a clear inbox. I quite enjoy the 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 cleanliness of it, um, of being up to date, the feeling of being up to date as much as the next person. But the challenge, I read a really interesting book and I can't remember what it was, 
But the challenge, the challenge of having this zero inbox policy is it's a bit like when you answer the phone. So if I answer a ringing phone, guess what happens? It rings more often. And if I answer emails really promptly, guess what happens? I get emailed more regularly um, because that's if you email somebody back, chances are at least 50% of the time that's going to result in a responding email asking another question or wanting further clarification. So essentially, my suggestion is, is that we let go, <laughs> particularly around timescales with emails. It, it, it's a fascinating point. I had lunch with somebody uh, recently who was um, judgmental of me and it was interesting feedback actually which I took on board because I didn't respond to emails the same day that they arrived because his expectation his model of the world that you ought to and I said well what about when I'm NLP training and I'm up at eight and I'm in the training room to get ready and then I train all day and then at the end of the training room I go home and spend time with my family when's and and it was an, and it, and I think it was good for them to realise that that my days are very different to theirs, um, and and there's a different different um, and equally it was good for me to realise oh, okay so people do have different expectations and they're not wrong they're just different. Mm-hmm. Um, so the interesting thing for me is is without making anything wrong or right because we've all got different systems different beliefs but that zero inboxing is a rule it's a rule that a business owner has made that they like. Now that's fine if it works for them mm-hmm. and it may well work for them from for quite some time where it becomes a problem and this is what we when we talk about limiting beliefs sometimes we have these beliefs that really help us so if you like your pattern of working really hard actually has really helped you get to where you are but then if you your new goal is to be able to relax and not quite and have more holidays and and have more time to yourself and more time with the family all of a sudden some of those rules that you've made around how you work are no longer helping, they're now limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's why personal development, if you like, is a, um, is a journey, and I know, it, I know it's a cliche, because you can have things that the zero inbox rule could be great in your 20s, maybe, or maybe, um, but then all of a sudden we're wanting to retire or we want it to slow down, all of a sudden those sorts of rules we have about how we run our business and how we deal with technology all of a sudden start to become a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that then the compounded challenge is that when managers or leaders then then um, push their beliefs around that way of working on their team of people as well. So I've worked in those businesses, certainly in my early 20s, where the strange beliefs of the owner and of his directors were sort of pushed onto the team. And you kind of think, well, why is that a rule? And actually, it's not really a rule. It's just someone's preference that's become a rule. That's um, that's a challenge as well. But we, I, I kind of digress away from technology with that. That's probably a whole new, a whole new thing around leadership and pushing rules on people. Um, but nonetheless, I think certainly email, social media. I think I think it's a big a big challenge. And I, th- I guess the other thing, the other thing that we probably haven't touched on is the level of overwhelm. And the bombardment of information, which we're not really, or is going to be a challenge for us to cope with, I think is is probably the right way, right way of putting it, right right way of putting it, because it can be it can be overwhelming in that I could get in touch with you, Bevis, in numerous ways. I could email you, I could call you, I could WhatsApp you, I could message you, I could LinkedIn you, tag you on a post in LinkedIn, I could the private message you in LinkedIn. Six seven methods 
of me communicating with you or people getting in touch and that can be quite overwhelming it can and, and it's i have this it's interesting i'm doing a talk at the business club on time management which which some of my colleagues have chuckled at the fact i'm doing a talk on time management um <laughs> but it's it, so but it, but then of course it will be a slightly different talk in terms of uh, how that's prefaced and the benefits people get from it but there is also benefit in understanding a way of managing time within business because what most people do is they sit at their desk and they have all of these forms of communication on and they sit in the same place i mean this was a coaching conversation yesterday with a business owner and the the outcome was he works in his study and the outcome of the coaching conversation was for him to get out of his study as much as possible because he will procrastinate in his study um and he will overwork without working he'll be he'll end up on the news website he'll end up distracted or by email all sorts of things and the outcome of the coaching conversation was about time management was for him actually as a piece of work for him to do which where he doesn't want to get distracted to get into the conservatory and, and actually and he said yeah when i actually get into these bits of research that I procrastinate on it only takes me half an hour but crikey so it's just getting started that's the issue so just find a different space and time to work and the other bit was for him to get out in the garden or go and hit a bucket of, of balls in the driving range because he's a golfer and actually put that in the diary and have scheduled time in the study for either Zoom calls or communication with clients on email. So it's like, actually, if he's only in the study when he's when he's having Zooms with clients and communicating over email and the phone, anything outside the study is then when he's doing whatever works required or he's relaxing. Um, so there is an element, I mean, Feng Shui is a thing. I remember writing a book and trying to write it from my office. I just couldn't write a word. And actually, it's because all my time in that office is spent with people communicating, talking, emailing. And in the end, I wrote it effectively um, in the bar at Legs Lodge with, with background noise. So it's about finding the right space for the right type of work. That's interesting. That is really interesting. I think um, I think one of the I, I guess just sort of sharing a bit of an insight of one of the things that I've done with my um my phone is on silent permanently um and i don't have any notifications on at all so all of my whatsapp all of my email everything is no notifications i don't have email pop up on the side of my screen as a notification when it comes up and i try and encourage the same for my team um and and for them to set aside specific time right okay you know i'm gonna do emails at 10 at 12 at 4 um and and i'm going to do the emails then rather than this consistent sort of um essentially it's moving away for it's pulling away from awareness isn't it which is part of this time management challenge is that we get distracted and that takes so long for us to get our awareness back or our focus back on the work that we should be doing um so technology notifications are are one of those key key challenges i think i think that's such a good point it's all one i'd almost forgotten and then just a, a quick story the anti-story to that i worked a long time ago um back in my leisure days and i worked with somebody who came into work and the first thing he did was said i just answer my emails and they'd surface at lunch so they just spent every morning i mean the lost productivity there is unbelievable every morning their routine was coming to work and, and, and then answer emails till lunchtime 
Um, and again, like you said, a lot of that email communication, they'll have been ignoring real stuff that would be productive in the business by doing that. Um, I can also hear people saying no notifications, phone on silent, and and, and people being kind of worried by that, but uh, and, and concerned about not being connected. But we're too connected as a society at the, at the moment because it's we can't. Brainwave activity is meant to shallow out periods during the day, and if we're like this and spiky brainwave activity all the time, we end up frazzled and burnt out. And there'll be some people listening to that who will know what that feels like, and and actually taking your advice and turning the phone on silent and, and quieting the notification will make a big difference so i think that's a great share yeah so it's a, it's a um it's a, it's a game changer for me i must say it's a game changer um so yeah even um even whatsapp calling doesn't doesn't even ring i'll just have a missed call from somebody on my whatsapp calling anyway um so let's move on to happiness i'm a bit i'm a bit scared of that I see happiness up there. That's interesting, isn't it? That's a reflection. Uh, Bevis is writing that down. Um, <laughs> but awareness and technology, and then and then happiness. So, I guess so. I have this thing where happiness is this like abstract concept of you can't really touch it. It's it's a feeling. It's a bit fluffy. And people listening go, well, what is happiness anyway? Because essentially, it's very subjective, isn't it? I know, I know. So, for example, I have happy places. I have um, people that make me feel happy. Um, or that's even the wrong language to use because they don't make me feel happy. I choose to be happy with when I'm in their presence. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I guess what is what is happiness? Is that the right question? Why is happiness important is a good question too, I suppose. So happiness is important because that is, it it, it helps life along, doesn't it? Um, a lot of people will go, well, the meaning of life is to be happy. Maybe not necessarily so, but happiness is important. For sure. And I think that the, the tricky thing with language is that everybody has a different understanding what happiness means and actually mm -hmm. happiness is different for every human being it's not some concrete concept that you can go that's what happiness is so you're going to sneeze <coughs> bless you so it's therefore really important and, and not just with happiness but <coughs> there we go that's two um, bless you um, so so yeah with with things like happiness and maybe other abstract concepts like success yes or contentment it's really important to define what that means for each person. Mm -hmm. So what, what does happiness mean to me? It'll be different for what it means to you. But if you understand what it means to you, it gives you something to, well, it gives you something, I was going to say, it'll give you something to aim at, but it gives you a concept, an idea, a framework, a, a way of living that might be different. And actually modern society inevitably will be different from the way in which we are living. Um, because in today's society, a lot of people are feeling burnt out, tired, overwhelmed. And, and a question that I like to ask people is what's the purpose of achieving your goal, your business goal? And then what's the, and let's say, so if we just play that game for a second with you, Pete, is that all right? For, to do yeah, that? sure, let's do it, yeah. So, so what's the purpose of achieving your business goal? Uh, the purpose of achieving my business goals is to be able to spend more time doing the things I enjoy. 
and what's the purpose of spending more time doing the things you enjoy? Um, the purpose of doing, spending time doing more things I enjoy helps me be happy. Cool. Wow, we got there quickly. Um, <laughs> and and what's the purpose? Here's a big deep question. Sorry about this. What's the purpose of no, you being okay. happy? Um, the purpose of me being happy is to what's the purpose of me being happy? Um, the purpose of me being interestingly, I imagine people will be shouting at the podcast like, "Is this you, dummy?" Because that's whatever their their thing is. But um, what's the purpose of me being happy? Um, so we start to think about contentment. Um, so yeah, the purpose of me being happy is feeling content, fulfilled. Nice. So I'm not going to push you any further, but what I'd like to point out from, and this, you're quite a big picture thinker, so it didn't take very long. It might take other people listening a few more questions. We've gone from happiness, spending time doing the things you enjoy to be happy, to feeling content and fulfilled. And it's that, obviously, I'm emphasising the word feeling. Ultimately, if you, if you ask those what's the purpose questions, what we call chunking up in NLP, not, not a different type of chunking up, um, that's for, uh, we've all experienced that. Um, so that's, we get to a feeling, we get to a feeling. And I think that, that that's really interesting because if the purpose of achieving our goals is to feel a certain way, then it's really important that we start feeling that way now. Otherwise, it'll be a carrot that we dangle in front of us for the rest of our lives and we'll never get there. That's amazing. That, and that rounds back to um, awareness. And, and, and interestingly, I saw on technology, I saw a diagram of this. I, did, I caught it when I was doom scrolling, using your language. There was a, um, there was a, a visual image of someone racing, racing with putting on all this stuff all this different fancy items gold clothing and then they were racing racing and there was this this fishy rock fishing rod with pound notes in front of them and they were racing getting more and more gear more and more gear and then all the stuff started to decay and then the, and because it, it was all in fast mode, and then all of a sudden the bones and the, all the cells and everything they were in and then they were in the ground and and it was like wow that's a powerful image that we're racing to our death, chasing these things. And look, there's nothing wrong with nice things. I like a nice car and a nice watch. There's nothing wrong with nice stuff, like a nice house. Nothing wrong with that. But let's not let let's not let our goals. When people think about success, they don't often think about contentment. And for me, if you're not content and fulfilled, we're on that. We're, we're doing the Stephen Covey thing that he talks about. We've got our axe and we're chopping wood in the wrong forest. We're, we're looking in the yeah. wrong direction. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's important. So, sorry, yeah, abso absolutely. And um, I was I was very keen to share that I've got up the happiest country in the world. So if people Google what is the happiest country in the world, they'll come up, Finland tops it by a long chalk, followed by Den Denmark and Iceland. Um, and there's, there's an interesting proverb which links really, really well with uh, what you're saying just there. So... Finland has been the happiest country on earth for the past six years, according to the World Happiness Survey. Um, and this relies on a Cantrill ladder life evaluation. Uh, Finland comes out top, followed by Denmark and Iceland. Uh, so just why Finns are happier than others comes down to a number of factors, including lower income inequality, 
Uh, most importantly, the difference between the highest paid and the lowest paid, high social support, freedom to make decisions and low levels of corruption. There's a graph on this website that I'm looking at. Uh, the measure of income inequality used here is by the Gini coefficient of income inequality. Um, blah, 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 blah. Finland has other attributes that help people feel happier. It has highly decentralised, publicly funded healthcare and only a very small private health sector. It's far more effective and efficient than some alternatives used in other countries. Public transport is reliable and affordable. Um, there is a Finnish proverb, which I shan't try and say in Finnish, but it translates to happiness is a place between too little and too much. <laughs> yeah, that, that's beautiful. Um, and I'm glad you I'm glad you highlighted the proverb because the dangerous people would listen to think and think, oh, we need all of those things in order to be happy. Well, good luck getting other people to get. I, I was going to get political. I won't. Um, good luck getting politicians to change things to make us happy. That, that, that we could be waiting. We could be frustrated and disappointed sometimes. So I love the fact that there's that that internal mindset that, that proverb proverb gives to gives to us and provides for us a bit like the dowager jin says we can clearly see we don't want to eat ourselves to death or starve ourselves to death somewhere the middle way is the right approach um and and therefore i mean gratitude is we can all be grateful for a lot i think i remember seeing something on linkedin again link between technology and happiness depending on how you're looking at through what filters you're looking through where they describe the richest people on the planet top one percent of people on the planet earn $90 a day, $90 a day, have a mobile phone, have a home, have transport and have an internet signal. So if you have all of those things, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people on the planet, mm. which means me and you are in the top 1% wealthiest people on the planet. So um, there's not much more stuff that's going to make me any happier. Mm. Um, so I just think it's an interesting concept, man. And and I've, I've so the, one of the things one of the things I heard recently that is very similar, and that is that the majority of people, particularly well, particularly people in the UK, live better than the kings of less than a hundred years ago. We live better now than we did than the kings did that not that long ago. So the happiness thing doesn't really relate to the standard of living and, and that that's a, an awesome that's an awesome i mean there, there's the perfect link between happiness and technology in that when technology can everybody can probably relate where because it's instantaneous now isn't it you can my kids can find a film that they want to watch instantaneously they can it's everything so quick um but that actually can get in the way of happiness because when are we at our happiest often when I don't know. I mean, I'm not a gardener, but gardening, for example, or painting or some kind of creative outlook. Or for me, sometimes I'm the happiest when I'm coaching or just being stupid with the kids. Uh, when we're really, truly in the moment and often when we're with using technology, not all the time, because you can be really, truly in the moment, of course, with technology. Um, but for some people, there's a mild sense of stress when doing certain things, certainly if we're comparing. So I think it's um bizarrely now in modern life we have to be disciplined around technology in order to be happier to be happier we need to be more disciplined with technology which i think is links back to your guidance around phone, yeah, 
on silent and notifications turned off or whatever and whatever modification we can make I, I play with this thing of not looking at the phone on a Sunday um, and that has actually stretched me sometimes you find yourself reaching towards the phone and going oh what am I doing that for and, and then <laughs> it just helps me to be mindful and, and really be with the kids when and, and kind of enter their world as well so um, so hopefully there's some useful kind of useful links between technology and happiness there for people to think about a bit differently yeah absolutely bevis i think we've created an awesome podcast there so thank you very much for help helping me uh helping me do that um absolute pleasure always a pleasure to talk mate yeah appreciate it and uh, hopefully the listeners have found this really interesting and um yeah if you want to if you want to do some more do find bevis he's on linkedin uh post some really interesting stuff he's a fantastic coach and nlp trainer and um yeah i thoroughly recommend getting involved hopefully this podcast has piqued your interest. So, uh, yeah, lovely chat in Bevis. Thank you very much and see you people on the next one. Thanks, Pete. Speak soon. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.